Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This is episode 259, recorded on Friday the 19th of April 2019 at 23.38.27. In today's show, in lieu of having any correspondence, thank you, Let me, this is getting more and more passive-aggressive, sorry about that. Let me take the opportunity to correct a few past errors and omissions so that I can answer the question no one asked, but I'm answering anyway. I'm doing it again. Also, we'll talk about the usual weekly geekly stuff. Just a little note, this is my regular-ish multi-topic show, not one of the single-topic shows that I urge you to also listen to. I just did episodes on Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, and Star Wars, and I am shortly going to be doing another one on Doctor Who. Let's do the show. Starting off with culture, the biggest cultural news this week is the Notre Dame fire. In an incident remarkably similar to the one that destroyed Brazil's National Museum last September, a short circuit is thought to have started a fire that engulfed Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris on Monday. If you look at the before and after photos, it is a disaster. My stomach twisted and churned just looking at the mess, and it did send me to the toilet too. It was really that bad. I'm sure my auntie and my uncle and relatives who live in Paris are going to be sad from this loss. I visited the cathedral many times, both with those relatives and with my mum and dad, and also by myself, and it is one of mine and our favourite places. I personally particularly like it, surprise, surprise, for the gargoyles, which are just fantastic. Though they do look as though they have survived relatively undamaged. And I know that's a small thing, but it is something. The medieval cathedral took about 200 years to build and 15 hours to gut by fire. Although not completely destroyed, the damage is extensive and includes the destruction of the central spire and many works of art within the interior. Although that very striking central spire was actually something that was rebuilt, I think, in the 18th century, so it isn't original. Nevertheless, it is sad that that too has gone. Despite nearing £1 billion in donations, the restoration costs will be in the order of at least several billion and take years to rectify. I've heard estimates that it may take as much as 20 years. I'll probably be dead by the time they do that, so it is that many years. And now returning to the case of Brazil's National Museum... That fire, due to a wiring fault, damaged not only Brazilian national treasures, but treasures from other countries, including Greece and 
Egypt. And it is also why, and I hope you're listening, British Museum, you have a greater responsibility to protect cultural works in your possession that don't actually belong to you, but arrived by some tortuous, circuitous, and possibly nefarious route. Star Trek Discovery Season 2 Finale has aired. And look, this is what I think of Season 2. That long Seven Signal slash Red Angel arc was unbearable. It was too long and I found it boring. The main plot was excruciating and hard to follow. On the other hand, there has been some interesting character development. I was really touched by the way Michael's adopted family get so broken up with the certainty of never seeing their daughter again. Sarek actor James Frain really nails overpowering sadness breaking through Vulcan control. I thought his acting was breathtaking. Overall, though, I'm sorry to say that I haven't enjoyed the show this season. And I am wondering whether I'm going to be following this show any longer, although I am a Trekkie. I don't know. It didn't meet my expectations. Next, some of my latest video acquisitions. I bought Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes A Game of Shadows on Blu-ray. I did this, and I may have mentioned this before, to test out the Blu-ray, and I found it okay. I thought the true motion thing that the LG TV had was a bit off-putting and threw me right into the uncanny valley. But yeah, Blu-ray seems okay. I like the higher definition. I'm not so sure it's really for me because cloning can be a problem. I like to clone my DVDs because DVD discs have a shelf life and they do break. So it's nice having a copy, either an ISO or a direct rip. And the sizes of Blu-rays are just too big. Yet the definition is higher, but is it really worth it? And anyway, I bought those two Blu-rays from Poundland. More on Poundland later. And I also bought Drag Me to Hell. Really excellent horror movie that I'm sure we've talked about before, and the Alien Quadrilogy from CEX, yeah, the Temple of CEX, which is a shop in the UK for non-UK listeners. I actually wanted the trilogy because I really don't like anything post-Alien 3 except Covenant, but I had to make do with what I could get. And it didn't cost that much. It was £4 in CEX for the four movies on DVD and all the special features and other stuff that I really watch. And, oh yeah, I was talking about how Blu-ray looks good, but maybe it's not just for me. 
So what I did when I got the Alien DVD homes is I watched the third movie, which was the reason that I bought them at that particular time. I just had an urge to watch the third movie. And even on DVD, with the interpolated upscaling that many modern DVD players have, it looks really good. I don't think I'm missing anything. So from now on, it is DVDs for me. Okay, I just mentioned Poundland. This is just a really quick little explanation of why I keep calling Poundland in the UK the Pound Store. If anyone was wondering, I keep mentioning the Pound Store as a place where I buy secondhand DVDs, which is incredibly confusing because there is no such shop called the Pound Store. When I left the UK in the early 2000s, Poundland didn't exist, but in Canada, at least I think it didn't exist. Huh. Editing Roy cutting in here. Actually, Poundland was founded in 1990, according to the internet. And now, of course, I've spoiled a perfectly good anecdote. Oh, Editing Roy, how I hate you. Anyway, in Canada, where I moved to, there were dollar stores which did exist. When I left Canada, my vocabulary peppered with North Americanisms combined the two, and thus, the Pound Store was born. In my brain. It really is the epitome of embarrassing transatlantic conflation, so sorry about that. And now let's move on to technology. Huzzah! Let's talk about the UK porn block thingy again. <sighs> I've been thinking about this, and it's going to make mine geek rich, no matter what they say. This is the company behind HID, Pornhub, RedTube, UPorn, Brazzers, Digital Playground, Men.com, Reality Kings, and Sean Cody. And by the way, if you ever visit the MindGeek website, you'll notice they make absolutely no reference whatsoever to how they make their money. It's almost as if they're ashamed of it. Anyway, yeah, the porn pass. It makes people's data less private, no matter what anyone says. It's going to go wrong. And the main reason for the whole thing is to protect children. The only problem with that is if you build a wall, people, especially young people, will find a way under it, over it, or around it. If you want kids not to see this stuff, you have to get them to do it voluntarily. You have to educate them. The Porn Pass is a waste of time. It's puritanical, and it's going to bite us on the backside when all that data goes for a walk. It's going to happen, people. You heard it here first. Okay, and next. Oh, what else this week? Ah, yes. I was just so wiped out last Sunday. And the reason for that is I decided to give myself a little health check by doing some exercise to see how I felt. 
before embarking on maybe a more drastic health programme, I really could do with getting fitter. What I did on Sunday was some press-ups after (laughs) slathering myself with ibuprofen gel on all the painful joints and drinking an enormous bucket-sized amount of caffeinated energy drink. Yeah, I did those press-ups, and then I went for a five-kilometer walk to the local bike shops and back. I went to the bike shops because I am after a bike. I'll talk about it later, but not spending as much as I do on petrol and not polluting the environment and maybe making myself healthier might be a good idea. So I went for this walk, and then I came back, and it turns out I'm really unfit. I really felt it the next day. That impromptu self-health check was the reason I was too tired to podcast on Sunday night. What really bugs me is that Google Fit for some reason, wasn't working properly. And instead of counting all the steps of my epic march so I could feel happy about my achievement, it registered that long walk as a pathetic stroll. Somehow, I don't know how, the high accuracy setting in Android was off, though I do not remember switching it off. I hate Google Fit. Why isn't there some better free fitness tracker? I have tried a few, and I have not found one that works properly. If you know of one, please let me know. And now we turn to bicycles again. Ofo bicycles. For a while, we've had Satander bikes in our city. More recently, we had the stupendously expensive Lime electric bikes, which I tested and talked about in episode 227. Then on Wednesday, I spotted a bright, spanking new yellow Ofo bike. I didn't even know they were in my city and Ofo has closed down in the UK, so I suppose it was an Ofo someone bought second-hand, or (laughs) liberated. But it was none of those things. Nothing quite so exciting. I think Ofo flogged their bikes to wholesalers when they went belly up. They look quite nice, and I do need a bicycle, because anything is better than paying through the nose for petrol. So eBay, I had a look on eBay and I found a few resellers. And yes, that appears to be the reason they have bought up large collections of the now defunct bike and they are on sale and they are quite cheap. Next. I hate the not-yet-recycled symbol that you find on a lot of packets. Why isn't this stupid thing of yours not recyclable? 
it really bothers me because you wash this stuff to get it ready for recycling, let it dry and everything, and then look at the small print and it says, not yet recycled. Total waste of time, total waste of the water that you've used to wash the thing, the soap that's gone down the drain to further pollute the environment. It's an endless stupid circle. I'm trying to phase out stuff with microplastics. Mostly because I don't want to kill the planet, but also because a lot of the stuff makes me itch. One of the insulating natural materials that I could use, but can't, because it makes me itch, is wool. Even Angora makes me itch. So I'm not sure how to handle winter insulation, but it's summer, so that's something I have to worry about a little later. But I still have a few acrylic garments, even though they're not great for the environment and all that. But yeah, recycling can be a ginormous pain. The other thing, apart from food packets, that annoy me, actually everything annoys me, it might just be age, but this is more specific. Now that I'm walking so much, I need trainers or boots that don't wear out, at least for a few years. My running shoes, I'm on my third pair now, are only made to last 500 miles, and I'm just sick of this. Like many people, I try and recycle as much as possible, but I do get the distinct impression that companies and governments are not keeping up their end of the bargain. Why are we turning planet Earth into planet garbage? You know, a few years ago now, I was on a breach in Mauritius and I filmed some very shaky video complaining about the rubbish strewn on the beach. So it's not a new thing. And anyone who does any form of sports that involve water, like diving or boating, does get really annoyed by this stuff. Which brings us neatly on to the next item. Extinction Rebellion. I just wanted to say well done to the climate collapse protesters. Yeah, let's stop calling it climate change because it's a bit more serious than that. The climate collapse protesters working hard to get governments off their backsides to do something before planet garbage happens. There are events all over the place, but the one most relevant to the part of the UK in which I live is the two-week event called Shutdown London, starting on Monday the 15th of April. It's still going on, and seems to be having quite an effect. From what I've seen on some social media and the news, it's huge, and there are also some famous people involved as well. Next, Julian Assange again. Ecuadorian President Lenin Marino is still insisting that Assange violated the terms of his asylum, though the charges seem petty, ridiculous, and possibly made up. 
The real reason could be a recent series of embarrassing leaks. A Reuters article states that Marino accused WikiLeaks of leaking the questionable financial records of the president's brother, while an Associated Press article says he also accused WikiLeaks of leaking a photograph of him, President Marino, reclining on a hotel bed enjoying a luxurious room service spread that included a monster-sized lobster. It's good to be king. (laughs) President? While Marino has done good things for disability issues, in this matter he's proved himself to be a right tool. (laughs) Look, I've got nothing against people enjoying the lap of luxury, but hiding it? Why is he ashamed of it? I don't know. And this really does seem like a petty thing for the leader of a state to do, considering the consequences that Assange will face. The next item is about BT public Wi-Fi kiosks censorship. Gizmodo reports that British Telecom has an automatic call blocking feature in all in-link UK kiosks, quote, to prevent misuse of the free calls, unquote. In-link UK has these little internet access kiosks dotted around the country. Although this misuse isn't explained, Gizmodo refers to a Times article that says that the kiosks are being used for drug deals. The automatic call blocking works by using an algorithm, that is a computer program or a script. Please stop saying algorithm. It doesn't make it sound any more clever. Where was I? The algorithm. Yeah, that includes anonymized data such as the frequency and length of call. Another thing that the state wants to keep a watch on. Great. Next, on to medicine. There is a reported cure for the bubble boy disease that we'll talk about in a bit. The BBC reports that new research at a Tennessee hospital in America has cured babies suffering from SCID, which stands for Severe Combined Immunodeficiency. Bubble Boy refers to the case of David Vetter, who was born without an immune system and had to live in a plastic bubble until he died after a bone marrow transplant. The Boy in the Plastic Bubble is a film from 1976, very loosely based on his life, starring John Travolta. This cure involves gene therapy using HIV as a vector to reintroduce altered DNA from the baby's own bone marrow. The babies treated now have working immune systems. Despite these latest findings, research using HIV as a vector has been going on for more than a decade. 
really interesting news, and it's great when something terrible is used for some good reason. And finally, in the technology section, zombie brains. <laughs> in recently published research in Nature, the disembodied brains of pigs were partly revived by Yale University scientists several hours after death. Duh, duh, duh. The brains were connected to a machine that fed them a blood-like liquid. This reduced post-death brain damage and restored some brain cell function, including the ability to use glucose and the communication between brain cells called synapses. The terrifying bit? The liquid contained drugs to help cells recover, but also to avoid the risk of the brain's experiencing consciousness. This was only a precaution because the procedure only enabled the function of some individual brain cells. So that's good then, not the brain as a whole. Still, it is only slightly less horrifying and creepy. Though fiction got there first, specifically science fiction, in the form of a novel called Brain by Robin Cook from 1981 that I read and will creep the hell out of you. The point of this research? Well, it does hold out some slight promise for preserving brain or other organ function for use in lab research. So, yeah, no mad scientists actually producing zombies quite yet. And that is it for the technology section this week. Let's move on to creative matters. Yeah, I'm actually talking about creative stuff this week. And let's start off with Joseph Campbell. Oh, yeah, Joseph Campbell again. Joseph Campbell, who died in 1987, was a university professor who worked in comparative mythology and religion. His best-known work is The Hero with a Thousand Faces. The book discusses the hero's journey, shared by the mythologies of different cultures. This is also called The Monomyth. And this is one of those error-type items. Here's my mistake. Around 2012, someone in a writing group, perhaps a writing group that I hosted or one that I attended, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, someone mentioned this one too many times. And... I just got really annoyed and said that it was a guideline, not a manual. My mistake is that I didn't go far enough. Because the hero with a thousand faces is definitely not a manual. It's also not even a guideline. It was Joseph Campbell's academic analysis of the monomyth. Even in academia, it is thought to be too generic a theory today. Why is this important? 
Because George Lucas had some luck using the book as a template for the journey of Luke Skywalker in the very first Star Wars trilogy, starting with A New Hope, every geek, wannabe author and screenwriter keeps spouting Joseph Campbell with a religious fervour, and I'm sick of it. Just write your story. Make sure it holds the reader, really grips them, is a page-turner, makes sense, and is grammatically correct. Maybe I'm worrying too much about this, because there is a lot of fiction that completely ignores the monomyth. Great films, like the one that I mentioned earlier, Drag Me to Hell, from 2009, doesn't even have a hero. There's no triumphant or happy ending. I'm sure I'm oversimplifying, but using the hero with a thousand faces to structure your work adds an extra layer of complication and also constrains your creativity. It was a thing, in addition to great acting, FX, art direction and photography, and so on and so on, that worked for Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. But what about 7, 8, and 9? Exactly. Just write your story. And the next thing. Podcasting. I have been podcasting a lot, haven't I? It's not so much to get download figures up, because I really don't trust statistics, but to solicit listener feedback. Which I've constantly tried to do without really that much luck. So if you're out there, what are you waiting for? The last item in the creative section is about Luminary, which is news that is buzzing all over the internet. The Luminary paywall. I listen infrequently to exactly one Luminary podcast, and that is Love Plus Radio. Now I heard they're trying to pull off being the Netflix of podcasting. Actually, calling it the Netflix of podcasting is a terrible analogy because with Netflix, I'd have a variety of stuff to watch, but with Luminary, for me at least, I'd only be listening to Love Plus Radio for the monthly price of 10 US dollars. Sure, other big podcasting names are coming to Luminary. There is Ted Sky Raz and Planet Money's Adam Davidson and others. Unfortunately, as charming as these people are, I listen to their current shows only now and then. And Luminary currently has 40 shows on the go. I had a look and none of them interest me enough to pay. So I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they'll pull off turning this into a business, but I really don't see how. And that is it for the creative section. We've had some... Topics in every section of the podcast today, culture, technology, creative. What are we going to talk about in the after show section? Well, 
here's something absolutely fascinating. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but if I have, I've forgotten about it. So this thing has come as a surprise to me anew. I found a new cupboard. <laughs> yes, welcome to Roy's personal Twilight Zone. I don't have the largest place, and the kitchen isn't particularly big, but there are fitted cupboards in there, and I can't remember what I was looking for, maybe a rubber band or something like that, in the drawer of stuff. You know the stuff drawer that most people have in their kitchen? It's that one drawer where you chuck stuff in that doesn't really belong in any other drawer. So it will be things like perhaps a safety lighter, rubber bands, plastic clips that you get from Ikea to seal the tops of your bags of crisps. Which is a very specific thing. But anyway, as I opened that drawer, I suddenly noticed there was a cupboard directly beneath that drawer. Which proves how little I pay attention sometimes. I opened it... And it even came with one of those uh, cages on rollers that pull out. And before this time, I've been sticking all my beer bottles and cans and stuff like that right next to it, not knowing that they had this nice, easy pull-out thing right there. And I didn't see it. How did I not see it? I've been here now for six years and I've only just found this drawer. I'm just glad I didn't open it and found something like a clown mask and a carving knife. Because that would be terrifying. <sighs> Odd. The next peculiar thing, though my family is fairly quirky, so nothing surprises me at this stage, is I was chatting to my dad the other day on Skype, and he has taken to wearing a Clash the Band t-shirt that I left at their place. I'm not kidding. My elderly father has been wearing a Clash t-shirt. I should point out that he is not into rock in any way, but him wearing it, I suppose, really is the very epitome of punk rock. And that is it. Whenever you're listening to this, hope you're having a bearable time. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. Or don't. You know, do what you like. Oh god, the passive aggressiveness again. Sorry, sorry. Please recommend it to a friend. Please give me a review. Please get in touch. And I know all the recommendations are, you shouldn't beg for this stuff. Please. And that's it. You were listening to... <laughs> With a meltdown bit at the end included, for no extra charge, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash. 
the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 259, recorded on Friday, the 19th of April, 2019, but ending on Saturday, the 20th of April, 2019, and the time at the end of the show is 26 minutes past midnight and 19 seconds. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! Here's the blooper reel for this episode so you can see what a bang-up job I'm doing behind the scenes. Oh, and explicit language is represented by a descending sign chirp. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crash. Start again at 27 seconds. The time of Indiana Jones is over. I take the Indiana Jones bit out. Doesn't make any sense, really. And why did you say over? Not over. 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 Just go on to the... Yeah, okay. Not recyclable. Not recyclable. Not recyclable. Not recyclable. I need a drink. Drying up and getting clicky. Oh. Mouth noises, the bane of podcasting. <laughs>